Tech Fighter Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 486 for the 6th of March, 2016. This week, Firefox is a good browser that can be made even better with add-ons. I'll have some information about some of the most popular ones. In short circuits, after you get those add-ons installed in Firefox, you have to convince the browser to stop disabling them every time there's a new version of Firefox. It's been a busy week in the FBI versus Apple controversy, with court rulings, comments by the Defense Secretary, and an admission that the FBI caused its own problem. In spare parts only on the website, corporate data is threatened not only by outsiders, but also by employees, contractors, and business associates. Peach Fuzzer is designed to find flaws in automated systems before they hurt somebody. Huawei and Leica say they will reinvent smartphone cameras, and Microsoft offers Xbox users a virtual $2 million Lamborghini. Mozilla recently added a feature to Firefox so that only approved add-ons can be installed. This feature is aimed at ensuring security, but it also means that many perfectly safe add-ons are locked out at least until the developers expend the effort required to have Mozilla certify their work. When Firefox updates, valid extensions are often disabled. There's a way around this, and I'll explain it later in this week's program, because you'll probably want to know how to get around those restrictions after you hear about some of the features you can add to Firefox with add-ons. Firefox and Chrome both have large numbers of extensions. Some exist for Internet Explorer. Microsoft Edge, the replacement for Internet Explorer, doesn't yet allow extensions. I can't imagine using Firefox without extensions. I haven't installed all of the ones I'll describe today, and some of the extensions that I have installed aren't currently used because I haven't found them to be useful to me. Even so, they have capabilities that I admire, and they have loyal followings, so they're useful to somebody. Let's start with Pocket. It's one of the ones that I don't really use, even though I have it installed, and I thought I would. The extension makes it possible to save articles, videos, and just about anything else you find for later reading or viewing. Save something to Pocket, and it'll be available on your computer, your phone, or your tablet. It's been around for a while, too, since 2007, so clearly a lot of people find it to be useful. More than 22 million users... It works very well with over 1,000 online services and apps, and it's available for most browsers on most platforms, including both Android and Apple portable devices. A couple of weeks ago, I told you about LastPass. I highly recommend it, and it is an outstanding add-on to Firefox. Not long after that, though, a new version of Firefox rendered it inoperative. That's what led me to find a way to turn off the protection that Mozilla has built into Firefox. If you remember one LastPass password, LastPass will remember all of your other passwords. 
And because LastPass is in charge of passwords, you can make them long, complex, and unguessable. I use LastPass many times every day. By the way, on the TechBiter Worldwide website, you'll see some screenshots of these applications, the plugins for Firefox, and you'll also find links to sites where you can go to download them. Third on my list is Social Fixer, Possibly the only thing more annoying than Firefox's unending updates that break plugins are Facebook's unending updates that only occasionally improve the service for users. Social Fixer's developer has been fighting to keep the plugin functional as Facebook keeps changing and to have Mozilla certify it for use with Firefox. If you use Social Fixer, you'll probably have to disable Firefox's protections. How to do that's coming up. Social Fixer eliminates much of the clutter that is Facebook these days. It seems that few Facebook users really like Facebook, but they keep using it despite the ads and all the other junk that Facebook pushes to their screens. Social Fixer was originally called Better Facebook. That name is descriptive. It has a huge number of features that can make it a little bit confusing to get set up, but it's useful even if you never modify any of the settings. And if you take a little time to look through the options, you'll find that Social Fixer can make Facebook almost completely usable. I have Social Fixer installed on one computer, but not on another, and the difference is remarkable. I'm not sure how I managed to forget to install Social Fixer on the Surface computer, but before the week is out, it will be there. Social Fixer makes it possible to create rules for your news feed, hide stories or authors you don't want to see, organize your feed with tabs so that posts are categorized, hide posts you've already seen so that they don't come back. You can even hide parts of the page. If there's a Facebook feature you don't like, look for a little X near the upper right corner of the feature. Click that X and the Facebook component vanishes. The author asks for donations occasionally. I'm always glad to give them. Most websites, including TechBiter Worldwide, use JavaScript scripting language to control some of the site's operations. JavaScript can, however, introduce some vulnerabilities. NoScript is a security application that stops dangerous operations such as cross-site scripting. The problem is that the NoScript interface is so complicated that even some experienced users become frustrated with its frequent false alarms. I like the reasoning behind NoScript, but I found the application gets in the way of too many legitimate functions on sites that are completely safe. Currently, I'm not using it, but take a look at it. You might like it. What I am using is Adblock Plus. Advertisements are a fact of life. They're in newspapers, they're in magazines, they're on radio and television. Websites use them because nobody wants to pay for information that's online. Not all ads are created equal, though. Some are legitimate and reasonably unobtrusive. Then there are others that distract from everything else that's on the screen. And, of course, there are ads from several well-known organizations, one of them beginning with a G, that accept ads even from companies that seem slightly less than ethical. Adblock Plus tries to develop a consensus from users about which ads are acceptable and which aren't. Companies can apply for inclusion in Adblock's acceptable ads list, and by default Adblock won't block those ads. Users still have the option to display or block ads that are on that list. 
Some sites detect ad blockers, such as Adblock Plus, and when they do, they won't display their content until you disable Adblocker. You can do that on a page-by-page or site-by-site basis. In most cases, I found that sites that do that tend to display a short ad in advance of whatever content you're seeking, and then not display ads later. You can determine exactly which ads are blocked. Adblock Plus starts with a couple of general lists enabled, a list based on your language, they call that the easy list, and the acceptable ads list. Users can add or remove ad providers, or select from other lists that are available on Adblock Plus. There are thousands of these add-ons, and if you're just looking to see what's out there, Mozilla has several lists in their add-ons section. One that's worth looking at occasionally is the most popular list, So this really isn't an add-on in its own right. It's just a good place to go occasionally to check what's out there because you'll find what's popular in the Mozilla community and maybe see something that appeals to you. One that I think is pretty clever is called Colorzilla. You may wonder what a color is that you see on the screen. Photographers and designers sometimes need to identify a color and Colorzilla does exactly that. The monitor you're looking at could probably display 256 times 256 times 256 colors. That's 256 shades each of red, green, and blue. Do the math and you'll see the total is 16,777,216. In other words, the chance of exactly eyeballing a color isn't very high. Colorzilla provides an eyedropper tool that can be used to identify the exact RGB values of any color on the screen. Designers can also have the plug-in display the color as a Pantone swatch value. Colorzilla has a gradient generator, a palette viewer, and even an analyzer that can examine a complete web page. If you've used Microsoft's new browser, Edge, you might decide that you like the reader view. That's a feature that eliminates all of the clutter on the website and leaves just the words. A plugin for Firefox called Readability does exactly the same thing. Turn Readability on and just read the article immediately, or save an article for later, or even send a text-only copy of the article to Kindle. Web of Trust is another example of a plugin that seemed like a good idea, but I really don't use it anymore. Although I still have it installed, and sometimes I do enable Web of Trust, most of the time I keep it off, the plugin depends on crowd-based intelligence to rate how trustworthy sites are. The problem I found with Web of Trust is that sometimes its recommendations seem to be based on responses from just a few people, and that those few people have a grudge. Still, it's a good idea. Links are shown with icons that show whether a site is trustworthy, reliable, concerned about users' privacy, and safe for children. You can't reasonably replace your anti-malware applications with Web of Trust, but you might find it to be a useful addition. Most websites have style sheets these days. TechBiter Worldwide has a cascading style sheet. And if sites don't have a built-in style sheet, your browser does have one that's built in. If you don't like the appearance of a website, you can use a plugin called Stylish, to change it. The cascading style sheet you create for viewing a website can change the appearance of the page, remove content you don't want to see, and you might even use it as a training tool to learn more about CSS if you want to. A companion site called userstyles.org has additional styles you can use for specific sites. 
The one you'll see on the Tech Fighter Worldwide website shows several styles that are available for the New York Times. And if you like stylish, check out Grease Monkey, then download some of the customized scripts from userscripts.org to change how websites display information. The scripts can automate tasks or modify the structure of a website. Or how about FasterFox? As the name suggests, FasterFox can speed Firefox's operations. The add-on can make changes to the browser's settings for simultaneous connections, HTTP pipelining, cache tweaking, and several others. FasterFox is also a pop-up blocker, and it adds improved prefetching to load additional site resources while you're examining the current page. You might not want this if you're on a metered connection. Otherwise, the prefetch function really can speed browsing. So there's a list of some of the add-ons that I think are kind of neat. And now that you're interested in adding some of the features to Firefox, you need to learn how to modify Firefox to stop killing add-ons that you like. And that's coming up next. In short circuits, yes, I know you're trying to protect me, but really, Mozilla, really, do you have to keep killing add-ons that aren't the least bit dangerous? Every time Firefox receives an update, previously acceptable add-ons are disabled. All right, enough is too much. I have used LastPass for years. I talked about this earlier. When the browser was upgraded to version 45 in the beta channel, LastPass was disabled because it could not be verified for use in Firefox. All right, LastPass is secure. It has previously been validated by Mozilla, yet now it can no longer be verified? Why? The same is true for HTTPS Everywhere, a security application and the Avast antivirus add-on. The problem with Avast didn't bother me so much because I was in the process of converting from Avast to McAfee. But disabling HTTPS everywhere seemed silly. And I use LastPass many times every day, though. Disabling that borders on criminal stupidity. Maybe you've encountered problems with Firefox for this reason. If so, you might welcome a workaround. And I happen to have one. In Firefox version 43, Mozilla added a new configurable setting called xpinstall.signatures.required. It was supposed to be discontinued in Firefox version 44, but it is still working in version 45. Possibly this is because Mozilla substantially overreached in turning off add-ons that users like, trust, and depend on. At least until Mozilla decides to stop honoring this setting, you can eliminate the annoyance pretty easily. In the address bar, just type about colon config, C-O-N-F-I-G. Firefox will display a warning. Click I'll be careful, I promise, and continue. When you do that, you'll see a list of configuration settings. You need to find xpinstall.signatures.required. You can do that with the search function. Just type the term into the search box at the top. Double-click anywhere on the line and change the value from true to false. 
When you restart Firefox, you will be prompted to enable all of your disabled add-ons, and then you'll see a warning that tells you that your preferred add-on could not be verified for use in Firefox, but at least it'll be functioning. So you really do need to use this only with add-ons that you trust. That link to more information is kind of a self-serving message from Mozilla. It begins by stating, add-ons that change your browser's settings without your consent or steal your information have become increasingly common. Some add-ons, it continues, can add unwanted toolbars or buttons, change your search settings, or inject ads into your computer. Firefox will now verify that the add-ons you install have been digitally signed by Mozilla. Well, all of that's true, but when you've been using an add-on such as LastPass or AdBlock for several years, and that add-on has been previously approved by Mozilla, why would it be disabled when you update the Firefox version? Chrome offers many of the same add-ons that Firefox does, and Microsoft's Edge browser will eventually allow add-ons. You might wonder if there's a good reason to continue using Firefox when every version update disables add-ons that you depend on. Maybe Chrome is the better choice. Many of the add-ons for Firefox are also available for Chrome. Top items in the scuffle between the FBI and Apple this week include a court ruling that says the FBI cannot use the All Writs Act of 1789 to make Apple break the encryption on an iPhone. An admission by the FBI that it was their own bungling that locked the phone in the first place, and hints from the Secretary of Defense that the FBI's request would not be in the best interest of Americans. First, the court ruling. Magistrate Judge James Orenstein in the Federal District Court for the Eastern District in New York ruled that the All Writs Act of 1789 cannot be used to make Apple unlock an iPhone. Now, this isn't the more famous case involving the phone owned by Syed Rizwan Farouk, one of the two San Bernardino shooters, but a phone that was seized in a drug case. There are other differences, too, in that the phone in New York is an older model with much weaker encryption. Apple has previously worked with law agencies to extract data from that model of the iPhone. The phone in California has stronger encryption, and Apple has not developed technology to override it. And in California, Defense Secretary Ashton Carter addressed the annual RSA conference this week. He said that he opposed creation of what he terms a backdoor that could be used to sidestep encryption. The FBI says it doesn't want anything permanent, but only a way to access information on that one phone. Unfortunately, that's not really possible because once created, the operating system modification could be used on any other iPhone. Defense Secretary Carter stressed the need for security and said that a solution acceptable to both sides needs to be found. If not, he says, the result could be a badly written law that would serve nobody well. And the irony of the week came from FBI Director James Comey. I quote, There was a mistake made in the 24 hours after the attack, he said in a congressional hearing. FBI personnel believed that resetting the iCloud password would give them access to information on the phone. Instead of asking Apple if that information was correct, 
they reset the iCloud password and effectively locked themselves out of the phone permanently. Lawmakers were divided on the issue, with some backing Apple's concerns for privacy and security, others attacking the company and saying the position was less about privacy than in protecting its brand. Apple's general counsel, Bruce Sewell, angrily denied that the position had anything to do with sales and everything to do with setting a dangerous precedent for government intrusion on the privacy and safety of its citizens. Expect that argument to go on for quite a while. Spare parts goes on, but only on the website. This week, corporate data is threatened not only by outsiders, but also by employees, contractors, and business associates. Peach Fuzzer is designed to find flaws in automated systems before they hurt somebody. Huawei and Leica say they plan to reinvent the smartphone camera. And Microsoft offers Xbox users a virtual $2 million Lamborghini. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.